All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. Now, SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. And today we have a great guest with us. But before we get into all of that, I want to give you sort of the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our trials, our hardships, our issues, those things in life that tend to try to uh, work against us or, or maybe even hold us back. And so you may be listening to this and say, why me though? Why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, guys, we, we all have stuff. We all have things that go in our life that wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of the way it was supposed to go. And these things can accumulate and even change the trajectory of our lives, man. So with all of that uh, being said, we want to begin to unfold God's plan for our lives, our purpose here, uh, our destiny, so to speak. And with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to an amazing guest, Mr. Chris Rudin. Would you please say Thank hey you, to sir. everyone? I really appreciate you guys having me. Hey, man, I'm so glad to have you on. Now, Chris uh, Rudin, he is uh, a power lifter. He is a professional speaker, keynote speaker. Uh, now, he, uh, you hold uh, records right now for power lifting. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So I have a, I was born with a disability. I also have type 1 diabetes and autoimmune disease. And I currently hold like one unofficial world record and a few state records and uh, looking to break a few more this year. That is awesome. And now you were on Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Titan Games, right? Yes, sir. First ever season. I was fortunate enough. Uh, they reached out to me. You know, I thought it was fake. They said they want to have me on the show. Over 200,000 people applied to be on the show. Uh, they brought out about 100 people to compete for a spot, and then they choose 32 guys. I made the cut and then uh, went from, you know, just small-time little person with a disability to seeing my face on billboards right next to The Rock. So pretty wow. surreal, but it's pretty crazy to go from, you know, that, that kid who thought he was broken to that person that everyone was watching, you know. Bro, you went from Chris – to Chris Rudin, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> when people start to recognize your last name, you know? Yeah, yeah, man, and that's and that's cool, man. And and I kind of want to talk a little bit today. You mentioned you were born with uh, a disability. Tell us about that. Yeah, man, you know, um, you, you, a lot of people see my social media because I've been fortunate enough to grow that, and they're like, man, you, you're so lucky. They say all these these weird words, you know, that I associate with, like, luck, but really, like, if we talk about luck, I was born with a physical disability. You know, I was born with two fingers on my left hand and a shorter left arm. I have an autoimmune disease, you know, that requires me to take shots six to 12 times a day. So uh -huh. I wouldn't say luck is the right word. I would say fortunate. You know, I chose to make certain obstacles into opportunities. And that's what I do with my disability. Now, I wish I could say that happened immediately. I wish I could say that that was something that I just immediately jumped out of the gate with, but it, it's not. You know, I struggled as a kid because I grew up in a poor area and my family never had money. And I was always the outsider, especially because I had a physical deformity, you know? Yeah. There, yeah. I, I specifically remember a time where, you know, in, in school, I went to a Christian school for eight years. And the first time I went to a school outside of that, a public school, I thought everyone was cool. You know, I thought, you know, little teasing here and there, but nothing bad. Yeah, right. But dude, I remember walking up to this girl. Her name was Crystal. And uh, in my middle school, prettiest girl in my middle school, you know, and to be fair, there was like three girls in my middle school, but nonetheless, prettiest girl in my middle school. Yeah. And I finally worked up the courage to, to go talk to her and everyone started laughing. So I turned around. I was like, guys, you're going to mess this up for me. You know? Yeah. Leave me alone. Let me do it. Yeah. And I turn around and she's making fun of my, my hand with the wow. stapler calling me claw boy. And from that moment, I put my hand in my pocket for four years. And then I hid my hand under a glove for another 17. 
Bro, it wasn't so until a year and a half ago that I stopped hiding my disability. So Bro, I don't so have this crazy, sexy story of success, you know? Yeah, and, and I could only imagine what that little kid was feeling, man. When you finally muster up, here we go. I'm a, I got this. I'm, I'm going to do this. And you, and you walk up, and boom, that's what you're met with. And that for sure was not how you had hoped that was going to go, man. What, what emotion? Take me to that, to that moment. What emotion when you realized it was a, a situation that's something you couldn't do anything about, man, that made you different? What, man, what made that, you, what were you feeling? Uh, honestly, up until that point, I knew I was different, but it was that moment right there that I knew I was broken. I knew that, you know, like I, I learned that the synonyms for disability are like weak, broken, useless, helpless, you know, like just incomplete. And to feel that as a person trying to figure out who they are, that I attach that identity to my to myself. You know, in hindsight, uh, I see that, you know, you can only focus on what you can control. And obviously my mindset is a lot different now. But yeah, that kid back then, you know, that was just solidifying the fact that I was no more than my condition and yeah. I didn't have much to live up to because I didn't give myself much to live up to. Wow. So what do you say right now, man? Cause I do a lot of, uh, 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 youth ministry type stuff. I do a lot, dude, I'm in a lot of these local schools around here and, and what could I say as wise words from Chris Rudin out straight out of his mouth to that kid who says I can't, or that kid who says I'm different, man. So the thing is, you look around, everyone's different, and that's okay. You never feel weird because someone has brown hair and you have black hair, or vice versa, you know? Yeah. Uh, same thing is, you know, I, I talk to kids all the time, and I'll, I'll be like, hey, listen, we're going to do a little exercise. I'll bring them up in the front of the room, and I'll look at them square in the eyes, and I'm like, you're a giraffe. Yeah. And everyone laughs. Everyone laughs. Everyone hysterically laughs. I'm like, what? This dude's crazy, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, let's try this. You're a loser. Mm. Room falls silent. Mm. Why is it that one label that's completely wrong is laughed at, but the other label that's also completely wrong is taken personal? Dude, because they're in, in, in between being labeled by someone else, there, there's, there's a choice there between being labeled and accepting that label, the middle, that bridge is you choosing to accept that label or not. With the giraffe, you're like, that's ridiculous. With the loser, you're like, maybe. The bad thing is we allow people to own space in how we feel about ourselves. We give more value to people's opinions of ourselves more than our own opinion of ourselves. And that's what I did for the longest time. Labels cannot be used if you don't accept them. Oh man, that that is so huge, man. And 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 so I, you know, there's so much wisdom and knowledge coming uh, not only from that statement, but from somebody who has walked that walk, who has. I mean, actually, let's let's be real, man. Wisdom and knowledge usually come from pain. You know, yes. success, yeah, but pain is one of the biggest teachers if you allow it to. Now. I could have very much been another statistic. You know, one in four people in the world pretty much have a disability. It's the largest minority in the world. Talking about being mm. different and suicide rates, depression. Like I, I went down that path, man. And like that's, I, I made it out. I was fortunate enough to make the right decisions and choose the thoughts. But it's my job now to make sure that for those people that aren't that fortunate, I'm there for them. I vow to be the person I never had growing up. And that's why I do things like this podcast. That's why I appreciate people like you who do podcasts like this, because you never know that one person that might've been on the edge, bro, you maybe never just know. might take a step back. You never know, bro. And you never know uh, what that one, man, we're just, we're just, we're just after that one that needed, that needed to be helped off the ledge, you know? And so, and so I, I love that. At what point Chris did, did weights come into play at what point did you say hey i want to work out uh so as, as with most people for me it started with vanity you know like i figured that if i had abs and some biceps i'd be yeah. able to get some girl that's, you know, right. that's the real that's the honest yeah. part and <laughs> I, I quickly learned that lifting weights I, I was always stubborn man you know like 
I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I went to school for originally because I loved arguing with people. I wanted to do things that people said I couldn't do. I played drums right. with one hand. You know, I duct taped a drumstick to my hand. I played for four years on my, on my band, you know? Yeah. I was like the only kid who got a degree in exercise science that didn't really watch sports. I did all kinds of weird stuff like drumming, martial arts, dance, all this stuff. Um, but weights were the one thing that people were like, well, you can't do that. And I'm way too stubborn to listen. I'm way too stubborn to accept a limitation at that point. So I was like, all right, by you saying I can't, what you mean is I have to adapt. Yep. So I started taking it as a personal challenge to basically be the one-handed guy in a two-handed world. You know, I, uh, I started adapting. I started doing what I could with the residual limb that I have. I started trying to design different elements to help me lift. And honestly, weightlifting taught me how to fail correctly. That's, that's one of the big things I teach people now, not just kids, but adults too. Um, after we're babies, you know, as a baby, you fall, you crawl, you fall, you crawl. You, every time you stumble, you keep going. But as an adult, you fall once and you quit. Mm. That's the majority of people's perspective. I wish adults acted more like babies. So my job is, is to reframe that perspective and be like, all right, failing is a verb. It's a thing we do. It's like stubbing your toe, you know? Cool. No yeah. worries. But failure is a noun. It's an identity. It's accepting what is forever. You basically make your decisions and your circumstances final. And final circumstances are fatal. So uh, I teach people that failing is okay, but failure is never an option. Bro, like I, I, this is huge. And you have a, you have a um, kind of a quote I, I, I see. Uh, less walls and more doors. Tell me about that. Man, I mean, the, the funny thing about that is both walls and doors are constructed, right? Yes. Isn't that crazy that we're, yeah. we're able to build both Absolutely. by choice? And Absolutely. usually by choice, we like to build walls. Yep. And we complain that we can't go through them when we have the full tools to make that door. Yeah, man. Sometimes a door is easier to make. Sometimes a wall is easier to make. But just because it's easier doesn't mean it's better. Easier said than done is the biggest cop out from everyone, including myself. That's what I told myself all the time. I wanted to stop hiding my disability. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Guess what? Everything is easier said than done because you can say something much quicker and much easier than you can do something. Right. But instead of saying easier said than done, try this out. Better done than said. Mm. For every time you want to say easier said than done, better done than said. Building a wall is easier. Yeah. But building a door is better done than said. So you need to do what you need to do. You only have access to the limited resources you have. And usually the one thing you can control is your thoughts, your thoughts, your behaviors, your actions, your reactions. If you can only control that, that's your responsibility. Now, not to get like too like over the top, but when I talk about responsibility, I don't just mean that's what you have to do. We literally have a responsibility. If you break that word, responsibility. We have the ability to respond mm -hmm. to anything that happens to us. And that is our choice in our response. Why choose a response that's going to predict you failing when you could choose a response that would move you closer to your own personal success? Right. We have to stop these inner monologues of like defeat and change the narrative, especially because we're the ones directing it. You know, Chris, I, I love that. I walked into a hospital one time. I got a, a phone call from a buddy uh, who said a mutual friend of ours was not doing well. He was, he was, he was eating up with cancer and, and uh, um, he was not doing good. He was in the hospital. He said, Dustin, I just can't get to him today. He said, you need to go see him. Things are bad. And I said, uh, okay, his name was Craig. And I, and I went up into the hospital and I said, Craig, I said, how are you? He said, man, I'm not good. He said, I'm, I'm hurting, man. He said, he said, uh, I feel like I'm in a prison. He said, um, I, I feel like a pin cushion. He said, there are people coming in here, sticking me with needles all day, all night. He said, I'm in this hospital room. I'm in this hospital bed. I'm doing this, doing that. He said, uh, I, I can't, uh, I can't do anything for my family. Um, my life is over. And I sat there and I thought about it. And I said, you know what? I said, I can't relate to the, uh, to the cancer, Craig, but I can relate to feeling like I'm inside a prison. And I said, listen, man, I said, some of the biggest drug cartels known to man are ran from inside a prison. Mm 
I said, no, I'm certainly, I don't condone that, but I'm just, I'm just letting (laughs) you know that your mindset, when you stick it, you, you know, you can lead from right here in this hospital bed. You can lead from that wheelchair. You can lead as an amputee. You can lead in all of these different ways. I said, just the strength that you're showing, uh, you can lead your family by trusting and believing um, that, that God's going to take care of them, that, that, that his hand is in this. And all of these different things, you can lead with your thoughts. You know, and, and so that was kind of it. That, that you're, you saying that reminds me of, of, of that, of, of just that leading with your thoughts. And you talk about diversity, um, and inclusion, uh, diversity without inclusion is a scam. What, what, tell me about that. Um, real quick on that, to add that story, like, I, I feel that like, as you were telling that story, I'm just like, man, I've been there. You know, it's where you feel like everything's over and you, you fill your head with all the things you can't do. And honestly, like I, I tend to relate everything to money because people really get that. Oh yeah. Um, if you knew there was a stock or an investment that was terrible, would you invest your money in it? No way. But why is it that when we focus on things we can't control, we know that's a bad investment, but we still invest our energy being our thoughts, our money being our thoughts into that bad stock, into that bad investment. Oh, true. We know we're, we're well aware of all the things we can't do right now in this moment, mm-hmm. but what does that do for us? You know, it, how, how is that going to help not, not only yourself, but your family and everyone around you, you know, instead of saying, you know, oh, I'm locked in a prison or I can't do this, I can't do that. Don't acknowledge the things that do nothing for you. Instead, acknowledge the, the few things that do, you know, uh, we have to remember that like focusing on things you can't control is wasted effort. It's wasted energy and it's wasted energy that you could give to someone or impact someone else in your position. Like you said, people can, you know, influence people outside of prison. Yeah. You can influence people even while you're going through it. I think one of the biggest things that got me through, you know, my mental struggles was the concept of you teach best what you need to learn most. Mm. For me to help myself, I had to help other people. That was my biggest driver to take care of myself. Because I'm going to be super honest, taking care of myself is not big enough of a motivator by itself. So I, so, I, I don't do that. You know. So, so taking care of other people and help... Um, that, that is so pivotal. Oftentimes, um, we can take a victim mindset, right? We can take that, we can take that whole idea of help me because I call it the little brother syndrome, the little brother riding, uh, in big brother's shadow, you know, Hey, you got to pull me along because look at me, I can't. And, and so at, at some point you have to realize, yes, I can, and also be willing to help those other along. A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. The power of the human will is crazy. So when you convince yourself, you tell yourself you can't, it's like conditioning, you know, you don't get better at playing at a sport or any sort of skill by doing it once you get really good at what you practice. And if you practice a victim mindset, if you practice learned helplessness, as I call it, that's going to have weight on you. You're going to get really good at it. And then you're going to become proficient at a skill that holds you back. And you're going to want to blame everyone else but in reality it was what you chose to practice every single moment you know you said you're gonna get proficient in a skill that holds you back yeah a lot of people do man a lot of people do so we don't even look at it like that so the victim mentality you can become proficient in having a victim mentality a hundred percent uh think like this uh i I don't know much about sports but I, i know a little if you wanted to get better at playing football, you practice tennis, right? No, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, a lot, that's not specificity. Okay, so if you want to get better at living a good life, you practice negative thoughts, right? That's yep. the same right. concept. Got you. In the first perspective, you'd tell that person they're dumb. In the second perspective, you would fight for your excuses like someone's trying to take them from you. Wow. Wow, that is that is that that's big stuff. And and when we're talking about mental resilience, 
when we're talking about overcoming adversity, how, how important is that mindset, Chris? I mean, I, you know, people are so focused on the external obstacles that they forget that the biggest ones are internal. Uh, regardless of what happens to you, you can always be good in, in, in that perspective. So regardless of the technical bad, honestly, I'm, I'm going to remove emotion for a second. Nothing is technically bad or good. Okay. Here's a perfect example. When I say a flat tire, you know, that is, you probably have think a bad day. Think about a time when you had a flat tire, probably terrible, you know, like, well, 100%, yeah. oh, flat tire now I'm pulled over and think about those emotions that go through your head. What are some emotions you feel when you get a flat tire? Crap. Crap. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> so let, let's take that emotion real quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you associate flat tires with crap, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say you're lying. Here's why. Every time you pass someone with a flat tire on the road, you probably don't care. Mm. So it's not the flat tire that elicits the emotion. It's the fact that it happens to you. Yeah. That's where our selfishness comes into play. So good or bad only exists uh, around our plan of our life. It's good if it goes according to what we said should happen. It's bad if it goes against what we said should happen. That's it's all place. created by us. There's, there's what happens to us and then the story we tell ourselves about what happens to us. So we add the emotion, we sprinkle, we season the events in life with emotion. Mm. And if you choose to sprinkle those seasonings, you might as well choose the right seasonings. You know, you got to stop seasoning with the bad. You got to stop using those things that detract from your life. So when it talks about overcoming adversity, let's be honest, um, adversity kind of doesn't exist. There's just what it is. I was born with a disability. It's neither bad nor good. It just is. Now, what I do with it is completely different now because before what I chose to do with it was tell myself I was less than. My biggest obstacle turned into my biggest opportunity from a financial perspective, from a value and impact perspective, from a mental relief perspective. I turned my health issues into wealth issues. Why? Mm. Because I chose the seasoning correctly. I chose to do something different around my circumstances. People hate obstacles, right? Would, right. You, would you agree? Yes, 100%. I'm going to set you up over and over and I love it. This is what I do when I talk. I'm <laughs> going to disagree with you. People okay. literally pay hundreds of dollars to do obstacle races. Yeah, yeah. They do. They pay hundreds of dollars to crawl through the mud, jump over fences, monkey bars, get dirty, messed up, get cut. They pay money to do these Spartan I'm races and these obstacle yeah, course races. Absolutely. Okay. But when we get obstacles in our real life, we cry about it. <sighs> on the obstacle course race, we pay for it. We take pictures. We're so happy to get through it. If we don't get through an obstacle, we take the consequence and then we go around. Why is it so different? Oh, well, one's fun. No, one is perspective. Yeah. One is perspective. But, but Chris, you don't know my background. You don't know the, the situation I was born. I feel like you're helping me so much. I love it. I love it. So yeah. you just, you just soft tossed it to me. So I'm perfect. <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone listening right now, including you, that while you may not have a disability or a cool prosthetic arm, or might have not been on a TV show or anything like that, that you listening right now, you have the exact same story as I do. Mm. You ready for this? Yep. You went through some crap, you got over some crap, and there's some more crap coming. Woo! Everyone so has the same exact story. Different parts, different characters, different plots, but the same conceptual story. Wow. So stop fighting for life that you think is, is specific to you. We all go through something at different levels, different intensities, different, yes, spe specifics, yes. But at a core level, we all understand struggle. And we all understand money. And we all understand getting through things. Yes. I went to Uganda, Africa to speak to 64 type 1 diabetic kids in a village called Arua. And uh, it was the most like crazy thing I've ever done in my life. But these kids had nothing, literally nothing, lived in huts, had to cool their medication on the roofs or in tins because insulin would actually break down and they would die. Um, without insulin, people die. These kids were, you know, struggling to eat. One of the nurses was stealing their medication and selling it to make money, leaving them with water instead of insulin. Only one of these 64 kids had a refrigerator. 
think about that. You know, I was running the sports camp. They see me a big white guy, tattoos, muscles, and then like a prosthetic arm. Yeah. And obviously they're like, this is different. You know, Yeah. what is this? Uh, it, took, it took me a few days to like get there. I had to speak. They don't speak English. You know, this, yeah. this had to be uh, translated in different dialect. So I had to come up with a message that they would understand. And we talked about overcoming struggle and the concept of money. You know, uh, a thing that a lot of speakers do that I just, I love, I'll continue to do this till the day I die. Um, people get money. So I explained that a $20 bill, even when crumpled up, spit on or stepped on still maintains its value. That's but right. when we get crumpled up, we, we quit, you know, we, we think our value is less. Um, I remember doing a sports day with them and I was like, all right, put your shoes on. We're going to go play soccer or football as they call it. And one of the kids basically said, Hey, we don't, we don't have shoes. Mm. And they went outside and they kicked this flat soccer ball in this rocky road. And they were the happiest I've ever seen in my life. Happier than any person I've ever met in the United States. And I travel a lot, 40 plus events a year. These kids were so happy. They embodied gratitude. Yeah. How could they have gratitude for stuff they don't have? That's what we would say. But what they say is, how could I not have gratitude for everything I do have? Yes. It's all a matter of perspective. And that was such, that was seeing gratitude. That was seeing perspective. That was feeling it and being like, man, that's, that is real. You know, that's not just a mindset shift. That's not just this fluffy, oh, chant positive affirmations in a burning building. No, I'm going to get out. But understand the reality is we suffer more in our imagination than we do in our real life. Man, yes. And and we create events and we create tragedies, trauma and hardships that don't even happen. They don't. A lot of them don't. And now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of things that would on paper be seemingly negative. But yeah. again, if you can't control it, there is no point. There is literally no point. There's no benefit to you or the people around you for you to dwell in it. Now, we are human. We feel emotion. We're allowed to have emotion. But my job is to help people domesticate emotion that allows them to succeed and not fail because of it. We're often too emotional in logical situations and vice versa, too logical in emotional situations. You have to, people talk about communication. You know, communication is key. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. What people forget is that's step two. Communication with other people is key. Step one is self-communication. If you don't speak or understand yourself, there's no way you could ever speak or understand someone else. Wow. That's so true. That's so true. Now, let me, let me, let me ask you this. Once, once you got into the weightlifting, I understand the mindset was there and, and the thought of, hey, I'm going to show, um, I'm going to show all the ones who say I can't. I'm going to show all the people who say I'm not good enough, all the people who say that's too heavy, that's too hard. All right. Were there people in your life at that time that were saying, yes, you can? Were there people around you that were uh, uh, kind of pushing you or helping you along? Or was it a total free-for-all battle? Oh, no, for sure. There's definitely people that uh, there was the, the bias of, you know, I'll support you, whatever you do. And then years later, once I get to those crazy goals, like I just hit a 675 pound deadlift, you know, which Love is yeah. the heaviest that any person with an amputee has ever done. Yeah. And uh, those people are like, damn, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Years ago, you said you fully believed me. And now you say you can't believe me. I'm like, okay, that was just like a friendly, like, oh, yeah, I got your back. But like, they probably had their doubts, you know? Yeah. Um, so my parents always were supportive oh, to a degree. You know, when I told them I want to speak for a living and do the stuff. I'm like, mom, I used the interwebs and now I, I have a career. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, the internet. And I, I speak to people. She's like, you've been talking all your whole life. You used to get in trouble for speaking in school. You know, and now I'm like, I get paid for it, mom. It's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, awesome. man. I mean, like, uh, with, with the weightlifting and stuff, uh, a lot of people supported me, but there was definitely doubts. And it went from me trying to prove everyone wrong that, that said or thought I couldn't do it to me showing people that doubt themselves that they can do it, you know? So it went from an egocentric thing to more of a impactful thing. And just seeing kids, uh, this specific story I got to share. Yeah. I went to speak at an event in Orlando, this big conference. And right before I went on stage, 
this dad came up to me. It was a diabetes event. He's like, Hey man, my son's 12 years old. He was diagnosed with diabetes a few months ago and he wants to kill himself. Mm. I was like, man, right before I go to speak on stage, I'm like, that's a heavy weight to bear. You know, like I, I want to do something, don't really know what I can do. So on stage, you know, I saw the kid and I, I, I changed my message a little bit to, to really value your own life, value your own you know, perspective. And then I caught up with him after and uh, got lunch with him and didn't talk about that at all. What I did do was treat him like a person. Yeah. I treated him like not, I didn't treat him like a, a kid who's thinking about suicide. I didn't treat him like his condition. I treated him like his name. I treated him who he was. That's right. And I, I valued him. I valued his time. My body language was toward him. I wasn't rushing him. I, I gave him everything I had without being overbearing, you know? And a year later, he messaged me. He's like doing push-ups, sends it to me in my Instagram DMs. And he's like, hey, man, look, I'm doing push-ups. I'm taking care of my diabetes. I signed up to be a leader, you know, at the next uh, event that we're doing. And, uh, dude, I want to be like just like you. I was like, even better, you're going to be just like you. Yes. And, uh, that's, man, you know, just being able to see that is nuts. You know. There's so much power, Chris, in just showing value to people. Just giving value to people. Uh, always having something to bring to the table that um, that that will help someone else. It's just uh, it goes miles. It, it it it's it just it's a it's a milestone when you can actually turn uh, hardships, tragedy, triumph, whatever, whatever the thing, the thing that you've been through, all of the stuff, when you can actually take that and start turning it into aiding and helping others. Um, I believe there's a milestone, kind of a shift that happens in one life. You become what I like to call magnetic. You become, you become, okay, all right, that's a guy I need to get close to. Okay. That's a guy I need to know. Okay. That's a guy that we can look at as a role model. Hey, that's a guy who's been through it and now he's using it, you know? And- I, I 100% agree. Honestly, yeah. I feel like I reverse engineered my mindset. Yep. And it's just so unconventional because I knew that by helping other people, that not only made me happy, but like I felt like I had to take care of myself to be a leader, lead by example, you know? Yeah. And by, by, realizing if I make other people feel better about themselves, they're going to want to be around me. They're going to be open for me to help them. A lot of things are going to change being a charismatic leader and understanding the skills of communication, because I don't care how good your message is. If your communication delivery isn't good enough to give that message, then they never received it. It's our jobs. Every single person has a story and sometimes a similar story, but your perspective is what makes you different. You know, yeah, you went through some crap, you got over some crap, some more crap's coming, but your specific perspective could be the one thing that maybe me as that kid on that ledge could have heard and it would have helped me, you know? So you, for me, I think it's selfish not to share your story. I think it's selfish not to, not to do that thing that you know you need to do. I think it's selfish to not to build that business or not to talk or not to help that one person. A lot of people think I can't change the world because I can only help this many people or my social media only has this many likes or whatever the the metric is that you're convincing yourself falsely that you're not of value. Mm. It takes one person, man. That one person could be the next Martin Luther King Jr. could be the next Steve Jobs, could be the next Oprah, could be the next whatever, you know, but if we selfishly degrade our value, you don't understand the impact and the implications of waves that could make in the future. That's right. That's right. You know, um, Chris, looking back at that, at that boy who tried to ask the girl out um, and she made fun of, of him, where would, where would you be today? Where would, where would Chris be today? If, if you had accepted that moment uh, in jail or dead hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that like without, without that, yeah, I mean, I have, and it's yeah. what's crazy is the people who know me now, they, because things seem so good, they see the tip of the iceberg, you know, they're like, man, you're so lucky, man, you know, you must have had it made, you must have had a great upbringing, you must, they, they put, they fill their head with this story of almost why they can't do it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's almost offensive to me because I'm like, man, the things I almost did, the things oh. I did do, and the things that like could have went worse. You know, 
I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a masterpiece in terms of mindset. Like I, I got, I was very fortunate. I, I had an opportunity to go down the wrong road and I did go down the wrong road a few times, but luckily I found my way back. Um, the things it, I almost did, you said that, that sounds like a, that's a book title right there, bro. That, it's true. I almost that's, did, man. You know, people don't understand that. They think, you know, like they think what they see on the surface level is everything they get. And just like that old saying, you can't judge a book by its cover, man. You got to read the contents. That's right. And, and so it's not until people hear my story that, you know, um, that my first year of ministry, we lost our baby Callie Grace. And then I lost my mother to a drug addiction. And then my grandmother to dementia all in the same year. And, and so going through all of those things, when you meet me now, it's so full of life. It's so life giving. I want to uh, help. We're in the communities. We're doing these things. We're in the schools and uh, uh, the, my book, Courage and Redemption and, and, and all of these things people say, Oh, wow. Just like you said, yeah you must have had a, a great up, upbringing. What church did you go to um, at growing up and all of these things, not realizing there is a story here. There is a history here. And so once they, once they tap into that, it's like, Oh, once they see they're out of the excuses, once they I see that they're, they're kind of out of it. Oh, Oh, that wasn't what it was like. Oh, that's, Oh, you, you had to overcome. You had to see, you had to face, these things. And so, wow, you know, and trying to get people to, to make that milestone to where they make that shift in their mind. I think we have to reframe, you know, expectations, to be honest, because people love seeing stuff about courage and strength and all this yep. stuff. But what they don't get is that courage comes from fear. Yeah. Strength comes from struggle. You don't, how could you say you're strong if you've never tested it? How could you say you've su succeeded without failing? You know, like you can't have, you can't possibly, you can't possibly value pleasure if you didn't have pain. Wow. That's so if you don't have, there, there's a, a, a theory in English, uh, I think it's a, an Italian theory called chiaroscuro. It's basically like uh, dark versus light. You yeah. can't appreciate light without dark. That's right. You, you cannot if you need opposition and uh, for me, like if I didn't experience the pain that I did, I, you know, you don't know what would have happened. You know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't experience enough pain. I think people live in this purgatory of life where life is not good enough where they want it to be, but it's not bad enough to change. Mm. So they cruise in this mid midline purgatory of a life and they wonder why, you know, why aren't things happening? Things well, aren't happening because you aren't making things happen. That's right. And 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 look, it's the same concept with uh with with uh when we used to do jail ministry, um we would see we would see inmates uh make um we, we would we would see inmates look man they, they would make big uh uh large leaps man they would start doing good we'd sit down we teach them uh uh money we teach them about all, handling finances handling their life handling their situations with their loved one try to get them back on their feet do this do that bro they get out and they come right back in comfortable in their chaos a hundred percent you know 100%. what about now man who do you surround yourself with and i'd be interested in and in know what kind of people do you what kind of people do you surround yourself with right now Man, I surround myself with uh, Ryan Holiday, Marcus Aurelius. Like, I surround myself with people who are dead, you know? Uh, I read a lot. Reading is definitely, reading and audiobooks are, like, my main thing. When I travel for work, you know, I meet a lot of different people. I love what I do for a living. I get to surround myself with people who are doing good, with people who aren't doing good. Yeah. I get to surround myself with people who remind me of me, whether that's potentially in my future or in my past or right now, you know? so. I surround myself with uh, as many people as I can, whether I can impact them or I can learn from them. I just, I'm never, I'm never stopping, you know, like I, I always want to get better and whether that's helping someone get better or getting better myself by investing in my own like self-worth or, or learning, you know, self-improvement. So uh, I don't really have like major, major idols or anything like that. Um, I love the I love history. I love understanding 
the what smart people have written and what they've done. And one of the smartest ways to uh, you know get through struggle is understanding other people have probably experienced a similar struggle. See yes. what they did. Get that cheat sheet. You know, there's so much we can learn for free. And a lot of people don't have money, don't have time, don't have everything. You know, again, I understand that. But yeah. the biggest resource you have is just being resourceful in general. You'd be surprised what you can learn on Google and YouTube in a day. You know, and now everything is so everything's so free and at the touch of a button. So I don't really buy the whole I don't have finances to learn because oh, I don't I, accept that at all, man. I mean, it it takes, you can have a Harvard uh, education within the next two months. That's right. why you can go and read the course curriculum. You can rent the book for free at the library or get a PDF version, uh, you know, and you can get a Harvard degree just without the fancy piece of paper. Yep. You can have the caliber of education, the caliber of life that you want if you are willing to chase it. Now, my concept is this. If you go after it, there's a possibility of reaching the level of success you want. A possibility. I'm not saying a guarantee. There's yeah. a possibility. If you don't go after it, there's a guarantee, not a possibility, a guarantee that you'll never get there. I will take the possibility of success over the guarantee of failure any day. Man, any day. Any day you're speaking, you, you know, you're speaking my language now. And so uh, with the reading and all, I'm a big advocate of, of reading during COVID. Uh, I've read um, three great books um, that I, that I kind of talked about um, on previous recordings. And, and uh, I just, I'm a bookworm, man. I've got, I've got a bookshelf just, just, just full of them. And I tell people, learn, read, expose yourself to a type of living or to a thought process, a mindset that you've never been a part of um, through the power of reading and studying. And honestly, some people don't like reading. You know, I have a ton of books, but also like I go through my phases where I only want to listen to audiobooks or podcasts, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, I, my drive to the gym is about like 30 minutes. And I love that because 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, I'm forced to listen to an audiobook. you know? Because when I give myself the option, I'm like, yeah, I could listen to the same songs I always listen to. I'm probably going to listen to them at the gym. So why not take that 30 minutes to learn some sort of something, you know, whether it's like, you know, your own self-improvement, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is as long as you're investing in yourself. That's we right. invest in so many other people's opinions and we very rarely invest in ourselves. You know, it's yeah. our responsibility to do something for ourselves that will better ourselves. You know, and I'm a I'm a podcast freak. Um, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. If I'm outside working, if I'm traveling to work, if I'm going here, doing that, um, I'll just I'll just put on a podcast, uh, much like this one, or I'll listen to John Maxwell Leadership Podcast, or Craig Rochelle's Leadership Podcast, or the Speaker Lab, or different. You know what I'm saying? So many so many different things that um, really just kind of not just tickle my ear, Chris. But, but I can walk away with something. I can walk away with some meat. And so many people, we surround ourselves with junk, whether it's on social media, whether it's on TV, whether it's on uh, relationships that we have. It's junk. And, and I just, I want to surround myself with, with meat. And my thing is, it's like, let's, let's break it down and be honest. Okay. You say you don't have time to read a full book or listen to an audiobook. Cool. Okay. What I know you do have time to do is take five minutes. Try this maybe tomorrow morning. Take five minutes. Look up the top 25 uh, self-help books. Then Google the name of the self-help book with quotes. Or Google the name of the self-help book summary. Read the quotes. Read the summary. I guarantee one quote is going to speak to you in your specific situation there are. And it's probably going to give you an answer or a mindset that's going to help you act that day. Yep. Uh, look at one of these books and just look up quotes. I swear to God. In, in, Five minutes, hundred percent. Five minutes, you can get so much value. That's right. Uh, I read uh, John Maxwell. Sometimes you live, sometimes you learn. Uh -huh. uh, and then a book called Soul Cravings, and another one, A Tale of Three Kings. And now I'm working on Made to Crave, and uh, it's about uh, our diet, mixing spirituality with our diet, food, and all of that kind of stuff. I am a, I'm a food freak. I love to eat. Man. Yeah, and same here, man. I have a donut tattooed yeah. on my leg. Yeah, but man, um, I'm getting back in the gym, dude. You should see my gym, man. I've got like, I've got a dungeon. I, I got a <laughs> uh, 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 old gas station on my property that I've turned what? into like a little dungeon with all kind of weights and stuff. And That's so, awesome. 
Uh, so I'm trying to get back in there, get the eye of the tiger again. I'm putting in my uh, uh, um, podcast from Eric Thomas and uh, doing yeah. all of these, all of these different things, man. And I'm like, the world is your oyster, you know, and, and all of this. But it's like, you know what? If I fail, that's okay, man. I'm going to get back up. You know, I'm, I'm going to get back up. And, and, and if I succeed, that's even better. I'm going to help someone else. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to help them. And so I, I just, I love that whole idea of just creating a culture around you of helping people. I mean, if everyone were to help one other person, the entire world would be so much better off. And that, like, that sounds like such a cliche thing, but like, uh, you have to operate inside the parameters of if you're successful, you're likely to experience failure. And if you're failing, you're likely to experience success eventually, you know? So regardless of how bad things are, they can get better. And regardless of how good things are to keep you humble, they can get worse, you know, in the, in between those lines, in between those parameters of life include helping other people to just have gratitude, have be happiness. One of the easiest ways to be happy is to help someone else. Tell me you've helped an old lady, you know, get up a curb or hold, held the door for someone who is more, more thankful than usual, or did you did something for someone and you captured that feeling. I'm sure you still remember it. Yeah. And as I say this, you're probably thinking about a very specific time where you did that. Now imagine if you did that every single day, mm. you'd instantly be happier without changing any of the problems in your life. Yep. 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 Absolutely. At what, at what point did you say, I know you said a year ago um, or a year and a half ago when you, when you let's say took the glove off. Um, what made you do that now? Man, I wish this was a cool story. I, I will say, I'll reiterate this again. Um, my story of success is not sexy. My story of success is literally, uh, I was the last person to not quit. So I won by default. That's how I consider it. Yeah. So um, I told myself, you know, I was never going to take my glove off. Cause oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I brushed it under the rug, you know? And I set a goal for myself like two years ago. I was like, man, it would be really cool to get a like awesome prosthetic arm, like a, a bionic one, you know? And I saw some friends that had one. I'm like, man, that's so cool. I was like, ah, there's no way. I, it wouldn't get approved through insurance. It takes years, you know, the insurance through prosthetics and all. It's a nightmare. So it's so terrible with our healthcare. So um, I set that goal. I was like, all right, if I ever got a prosthetic arm, I'd take the glove off. Thinking that that was like a false, uh, false hope, you know, I, it made my, made me feel better in the short term, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. Right. Well, fast forward six months after that, I ended up getting approved for a prosthetic arm. And, uh, I was like, man, I'm not a liar. You know, I, I told myself I was going to do this. Anytime I set up a challenge, I accomplish it. But that was my biggest challenge in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm a jump in the deep end kind of person. I was like, I'm going to make a video, like a coming out video take my glove off and I'm just going to post it on YouTube, you know, just so if people have questions, they go to that video. So now I don't have to explain to each person over and over and over again. Well, that video went viral, hit 4 million views. Washington wow. Post covered it. And wow. uh, well, talk about jumping in the deep end. Yeah. So it's probably the best, most uncomfortable thing I've done, you know, and I've lifted all this Green. weight, you know, 600 pound squat, 675 pound deadlift, but the heaviest weight that I've ever lifted is being able to walk into Walmart without covering my disability. Wow. Not even Target, man. Not even Target. I'm talking about Walmart. You know? Like, that in itself everything was such a relief, such a, yeah. such a feeling, you know, to be like, man, I'm okay with myself enough to not worry about what other people think of me. Chris, that's so huge, man. This, just, to, just to say that's the heaviest weight uh, as a as a as a power lifter that that's that's the heaviest weight that you've carried but yet you faced it you're you're overcoming it you're moving forward you'll you'll never uh you'll never reach peak you'll never do uh uh do it all i mean you're you're we're this whole life is a process this whole life is a journey and we're and we're never fully completed until uh uh until the end and and it's just it's so exciting to watch uh, someone like yourself to see someone like yourself um, succeeding and and standing up for so many people who don't have a voice or or wait a minute for so many people who don't yet know they have a voice. 
a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and so I am, I am so glad to have had you, um, uh, on here. One, uh, do you have just, just one, uh, final thing that, that you make it say to, uh, to that one who's, who's kind of, kind of riding on the fence of, you know, I like what I hear. Uh, I don't know if I can trust this guy. I don't know much about him. Uh, one, one final charge to that, that one person that may be on the edge of the cliff right now and just not know the greatness that's in them. This is, this is one of the best ways that I can explain like how to choose the right option. Often we're, we're faced with some sort of fork in the road or a few different decisions. I always tell people, choose the decision that will make you most proud in the future. Mm. Whether that's proud of your action, whether that's your family being proud, whether that's that person who's important to you being proud, whether that's, you know, whatever it is, the decision you make, is that a decision you're going to be proud of or is it a decision that you'll possibly regret? The thing is, you know immediately when you go to do it. I know in my past, if I would have been asked that question, I would have asked, I would have acted differently. I know that the certain things I did did not make me proud. I'm not necessarily proud of the things I've done that aren't good, you know, but what I am proud of is my ability to get through them. Now, smart people learn from other people's mistakes. I'm trying to help anyone here listening and anyone in the world be smart. I'm trying to help them make those decisions that will make them proud when they look back at this. You know, and, and I, I love that, Chris. And, and so it's been, man, it's been an honor to have you, have you on here. Um, and as we, uh, as we move forward, um, I, again, once again, I want to thank you for taking your time and being on SCAR, Seeking Courage and Redemption. Uh, I could go all day with you, brother. I don't want to stop, but for our listeners. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Like, honestly, like, thank you for what you're doing for this community as well. Like, whether you have, you know, a hundred people listening or a hundred million people listening, there's going to be that one that really benefits from this. So thank you again for what you do. That's right. Thank you. And uh, just, just stay on the line here for just a second. And as for my listeners, I will see you in the next couple of days.